0: Welcome to People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. I'm Mark Pfeffer. My guest today is Reggie Willis, the Chief Diversity Officer at Ally, a digital financial services company. He's responsible for the d activities there including the implementation of programs, working with stakeholders, and making sure his activities align with the company's overall strategy. What's it like to be a diversity officer? That's what we'll talk about on this edition of PeopleTech. Hey, Reggie, welcome. I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, and it looks like you came up through the ranks before moving into DEI, basically. Um, Can you tell me something about that journey?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'll take you back to the beginning, but fast forward very quickly to the present. But uh, graduated from college, had an undergraduate degree in psychology, um, knew I had a passion for people, but didn't know what to do with it. So um, my father and and mom always worked in either banks or insurance companies. So I said, well, um, both of those kept a roof over my head and shoes on my feet. So I jumped in with both feet to the insurance industry and um, started as, a, as an underwriter, uh, mainly because that's what I saw my father do. But, but um, even at a very young age, had an understanding that people were my passion and that at some point I was going to have to figure out how I married that passion with my vocation. So I spent um, 23 years uh, in varying risk roles uh, for financial institutions. And then when I had the opportunity to um, gain the knowledge about diversity and inclusion along the way. I took all of those opportunities, and um, when the when the opportunity presented itself for me to take on this work, and it was um, kind of fortuitous, JB, who's our current CEO, um, thought that this was having a focus on diversity and inclusion was critically important to his legacy as our um, CEO, and so he brought in a couple of people to talk about the value of differences and how you can create an environment of inclusion as one of his leading um, conversations with the full organization. And I had an opportunity to speak to him shortly after that. And this was in October of of 2015. And he said, well, what did you think about the guest speaker that we had? And one of our board members joined him. I said, I thought it was amazing. Uh, When we get serious about this work, I would love to be considered for the job. And so that was um, October of 2015. And fast forward to uh, May of 2016, they had extended an offer to me and I started doing this work full time. So it's been about six years now that I've been leading our DNI efforts here at
0: Allen. What was it like moving um, from, from the business over to DEI? I mean, that's not a small step. So uh, how'd you think that, it through? Um, um,
1: uh, I probably didn't do as much thinking in retrospect as I should have. Uh, But it was a situation where, again, I knew that I had a tremendous passion for helping people feel like they had a place where they were, and and maybe more importantly, helping them understand the path that they would need to take to get from where they are to where they wanted to be. And so to be able to do that at scale for an organization who had never had a deliberate focus on it prior to, um, it was, it was scary if I'm being completely transparent, having to um, build something from scratch, having to have the ability to mold it or shape it into something that would um, align to our current culture, but more importantly, um, advance our culture in a direction that the CEO and a number of his leaders felt like was critically important for our continued success. So the transition itself was, um, took some time. So luckily I had a leadership team that that believed in giving me the space to do the research and to understand what the the right um, framework and strategy would be to marry to our culture. So I spent the balance of 2016 doing a lot of research and then launched and, and kind of executed on the strategy and framework we had built uh, at the beginning of 2017. And we've just been ideating and iterating on that, you know, over the past five years. So,
0: um, Ally aside, how do you how do you think companies approach DEI? Are they doing it well? Are they not doing it well? Just in general, um,
1: I, I think many organizations, and I, I think a lot of people who do this work use um, all the things that happened in twenty twenty as an inflection point. Um, obviously, the murder of a number of unarmed Black individuals, and kind of culminated with. Um, many of us seeing the eight minutes and 43 seconds of George Floyd's murder. And, and a lot of institutions felt the need to jump into this work kind of with both feet at that time. And, and those organizations, you see that they're doing it for all the right reasons, but you see a, a re, that, that reactionary approach is one that's hard to sustain. So mm-hmm. when you've got organizations that have been doing this work for an extended period of time, you, you, you tend to see them um, having the ability and the understanding that it has to be a part of the culture and it has to be a part of who you are authentically as a company for it to be sustainable. Uh, And and so uh, to answer your question maybe a little more succinctly, it's a little bifurcated. You've got a group of people that felt like they had to do the work and that they're they're still trying to figure it out. And then you've got another group of organizations who have been in this work for a while, understand the relevance, understand how it um, creates um, a difference for them as far as having um, uh, a competitive advantage and, and really creating a culture where people, again, have that sense of belonging, feel like they um, can be heard and that their opinions count. And those are the things that um, differentiate the, the folks that are just doing it versus the ones that are excelling at.
0: Are middle managers important to this whole equation? Um,
1: absolutely. Uh, middle managers are um probably the sticking point for many initiatives that happen from uh, that are generated through HR and that have to do with people because you need them. Uh, you can have the, the best executives, the best mentality I can put to put forth the best programming and, and the best objectives uh, around this work. But if you don't get your middle managers to buy in and, and they have an understanding of what the benefit is for them, leading the organization, but also the, the critical role that they play in pushing these things forward and really breathing breathing life into them from uh, a, a you know, boots on the ground perspective. If, if you don't get them as a part of the work, um, it, it'll be a lot harder. It won't be impossible, but it'll be a lot harder
0: to be successful. Um, do, do you find that most middle managers are um, easy to deal with or do you find you have a lot of resistance um, it, it's a bit of a mixed bag. I think,
1: uh, much like society, um, our, most of our institutions and organizations are a microcosm of society. So you're going to have people that, that are already on board, understand the value of it, um, from a humanitarian perspective, appreciate it and live their lives that way. I think there's others that feel like, you know, you're paying me to do a job and I don't understand how this is a part of that job you're paying me for. So you've got to always, um, do your best to allow those individuals to see themselves in the work. So it's not just about helping you name the underrepresented or marginalized group um, that I may or may not be a part of. It's more about how do we create an environment here that we work in and hopefully in in the society, you know, the the communities that we do business in, the, the, the organizations that we may work with, that they see the value of this work from a societal perspective and not just um well I'm just helping x group of people and it really doesn't impact me no we're we're creating an environment hopefully a culture in a society where people have a sense of self worth and value and and that in and of itself creates a better environment to do the work in for everybody <laughs>
0: Faith in the news media has been challenged, making it even harder to get stories told. The Friday Reporter podcast was created to help audiences better understand the media by hosting journalists who will answer the questions to which we need answers. Join me every Friday to hear more. So how did Ally approach beginning this whole process? And do you think it's a it was a good approach or a not so good approach compared to other companies? Uh,
1: you know, um, selfishly, I would say it was a good approach <laughs> since it was mine. Uh, but no, I think uh, we we took a very thoughtful approach. Um, you know, I can remember one of the initial conversations that I had with JB and, and my leader Kathy Patterson, and she is a white female. Clearly, you can look at me and see I'm a black male. One of the things that um, JB was clear about, he said, Reggie this can't just be the black guy having a program for black people. And I said, exactly, and and additionally, it can't just be the black guy and the white woman having programs for women and black people. And so we early on knew that it was important to start from a position of of building an inclusive environment and inclusive for all, right? Not just the people who um, had differences that were visible But for people that maybe had differences in experiences, differences in cognitive ability, differences in sexual orientation, differences in um, whether or not they served our country in the military. So we, we took a very broad view of diversity, but we started from a foundation of if we don't make this environment one where everyone feels welcome, where everyone feels a sense of belonging, it doesn't matter how many people we bring into the company that are different. We're going to lose them just as fast. So we started from a foundation of inclusion, and then once we felt like people understood what our motivation was, then we we could start really thinking about okay, how do we address representation gaps? How do we start to look at opportunities for you know increasing our representation at you know what at, at different levels in the organization, and, and in particular having a deliberate focus on our managers and above, so people who manage people. And those who, you know, continued to excel within the organization, because one of the things we knew research showed is that uh, people want to be able to see themselves in leaders. And and much of that is is experiences, but a lot of it is is visual, right? If I'm a woman, I want to see other women in senior executive positions. If I'm a Black man, I want to see other Black people. If I'm um, someone that's a part of the LGBTQ community, I want to see people that are out and, and feel comfortable expressing who they are to the organization. So it was really about starting from a place of inclusion and then moving to you know diversity. And, and now we're talking about
0: what does equity look like? So if some exe- executive somewhere asked you about going through this whole process and he asked you, what's the worst thing that can happen to us, what would you say?
1: Um, You know, it's, it's, that's a great question. I think the, I tell them, I would tell them the worst thing that could happen to us is if we stopped. And, and and what I mean by that is we're always going to offend someone. We're always going to um, probably disappoint someone. We're we're always going to uh, have to deal with differing opinions. But if we don't value the importance of how creating difference makes us better as a company um, we're going to find ourselves being outpaced by our competition so so the worst thing that could happen is we stop this work because of some of the things i mentioned we offend somebody or we we we, we missed the mark on something we were trying to execute on uh and we just throw our hands up
0: and and, and not continue to push forward now what's the if they ask the same question but wanting to know the best thing that can happen, the the best outcome? Um, You know, I I think the best outcome would
1: be uh, ideally me working myself out of a job, right? That we have so embedded this idea of um, how important diverse representation is, how important building inclusive spaces are for our culture and how um, making sure that we're equitable and people have the access that they need and that we're meeting them where they are in their journey. Um, that uh, someone leading the work becomes duplicative because everybody else in the organization is, has got it so woven into how they do business um, that we are at a place where, uh, you know, it's, it's a part of everybody's job description, not just mine.
0: Um, last question uh, is another sort of, tell me about the landscape question. It's basically, well, DEI seems like it's always evolving. And um, how will companies evolve with it? Will, first of all, will they evolve with it? And just how will they approach the whole thing of having, having to, to morph over time? Yeah, I think if companies don't evolve with it, you will see those companies
1: being left behind. So I think they absolutely will evolve with it. I think um, the pandemic has um, for all its ills, I think shined a light on how we can leverage technology differently to be more inclusive. Um, you see the three of us now being able to see each other, share this experience um, from a, you know, the, the Zoom technology, which allows um, what would be maybe a conversation over the phone and, and less proximal, being more feeling like we're now in proximity to each other, even though we're in different locations. So I think technology has played a big role in advancing how you can create inclusive spaces. But I also think um, it has revealed some biases that people have, right? The the whole idea of proximity bias and distance bias and expedience bias, all of those things now are coming into play as we all start to navigate this hybrid work environment where we have people, uh, you know, set of people working from home, set of people working remotely. And and so um, this work will continue to evolve. I think we'll always have to grapple with representation and how we continue to create access for those individuals who are underrepresented. But I think um, what I've seen over the past two years is that the efforts have now become much more communal and that people are um, from different industries, from different um, you know competitors even, are, are working together to try to create a better environment as it relates to diversity, equity, inclusion. So I'm encouraged by that part, I think, um, some of the difficult things we'll have to deal with is that societal issues are now becoming, uh, you know, the norm for conversations within the C-suite and and how do you continue to um, grapple with those very contentious, very uh, divisive situations as it relates to trying to create a place of inclusion and harmony is going to be, I think, on everyone's mind, not just the chief diversity officers, but Um, leaders at any level of an
0: organization. Reggie, thank you so much. It was great to talk with you. My guest today has been Reggie Willis, the Chief Diversity Officer at Ally. And this has been People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. We're a publication of Recruiting Daily. We're also a part of Evergreen Podcasts, To see all of their programs, visit www.evergreenpodcasts.com. And to keep up with HR technology, visit the HCM Technology Report every day. We're the most trusted source of news in the HR tech industry. Find us at www.hcmtechnologyreport.com. I'm Mark Pfeffer.